Liam in, I'm going to take that Civic Center apart, and then we're all going to be over at Rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo. We are doing, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. But one time I wrestled a giraffe to the ground with my bare hands. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. Honey, do you think KFC's still open? What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, joining you live from Lubbock. Well, not live when you're listening, but obviously live when you're recording, because that's how it works. Uh, a rainy and jury Lubbock, where I'm hoping we don't float away. May happen this weekend, may not, we'll see. But uh, not happening for my partner in crime down there in uh, in old Houston, and that'd be Matt Clare. Don't think you guys are getting ready to float away, are you? Man, you'd be surprised. I mean, it has rained in some form or fashion for, I would say, the past eight or nine days. I got a chance mm-hmm. to, to get up to Dallas last weekend, but uh, I think it continued. But uh, nothing too bad, just the, the scattered thunderstorms and you know, mostly, I don't know, in, in, in odd times of the day. But I just think it's, uh, I don't know, just think it's that, that odd time of year where it's kind of turning from summer, maybe trying to start yeah, turning into fall. Sure. I, I'm not sure. Well, it always kind of rains like this around this time of year. Maybe not like this, but it always kind of gets to rain this time of year. And uh, got the old uh, the old Texas Tech football practice postponed once again, as it has. I think it's happened like five times this fall. Which I mean, talk about some some irony or karma or whatever you want to talk about, because they announced they're doing the indoor this summer, and then now it. I think the the most practices they've had delayed in like the last five years has been this fall. So, of course, that would that would happen. And that'll wrap it up for rain talk. <laughs> rain Back talk. to you. All right. Oh Lord. Um, but uh, but anyway. Uh, speaking of, you said you were in Dallas last weekend, and Kowinky Dink, I was also in Dallas last weekend. Yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> we shot the uh, the video and, and shared that on site, but uh, checked out Eula's Trinity and in, in Broken Arrow, and in what I thought, you know, started out to be a terrible game. And uh, had a terrific second half. So uh, definitely a tale of two halves, and, and I'm really glad we got to see uh, John Davis and, and Cam uh, Cam Jones, the 2018 sure. defensive back target. But as we kind of mentioned, they're just uh, – there are at least six or seven kids on the Trinity team alone without getting into Broken at Arrow least, that, yeah, at least. that need a profile or just need to you know be on the radar because – they, they just have some big boys there, and um, I know there was one in particular that, that even has a connection to Texas Tech that, that you wanted to mention. Yeah, and uh, totally blanked on me, you know, didn't even think about it, and I totally should have, but it's, uh, so Lloyd Hill, who, whenever he played here, I believe, and I know some of you are going to get riled up, I don't know if exactly if it was early 90s, mid 90s, uh, somewhere in there, but, but when Lloyd Hill played at Tech, Whenever he left, was the all-time leading receiver for Tech, and believe he was until Crabtree uh, got here. So, uh, so, 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 yeah, his son, his son, who is also named Lloyd Hill, is Lloyd Hill Jr., is actually one of the starting outside receivers for uh, for Trinity this year. So, gonna be interesting to see kind of how he develops. Like I said, as a sophomore, but no, he caught a couple passes that game, caught uh, a twenty-three yard touchdown there in the second half when when Trinity kind of broke away from from Broken Arrow and. I guess before we get to the the second game, let's just go ahead and dive into this one, Matt. And 
Uh, like I said, was kind of a boring and really sloppy first half. I think that happens a lot in football across the board sometimes, where everybody's kind of trying to get the kinks out and get the rust get the rust off, and was clearly the case for Trinity, I think, in that first half. And they came out after halftime, and it looked like a total like you flipped a switch because they kind of got the ground game going and, and didn't look back. And six nine at the half, and they went thirty nine to sixteen in that game. So. And to be honest, that's a bigger margin than I figured they would win that game by because Broken Arrow is a pretty big deal uh, in Oklahoma. I believe one of the top two or three teams in the state this year. Yeah, you and I discussed that, and and uh, if I remember correctly, you said Rowdy Frederick, the, yeah, the lineman yeah. who, yeah, the the Raiders, you know, kind of went after uh, a little bit there off and on in, in this last recruiting class. Yeah, Tulsa, if I remember, serves me correctly. Yeah, I believe so, Tulsa. Uh, but uh, you know, definitely liked him as a prospect. But a lot of those types of guys that that were on that Broken Arrow team, not necessarily on offense like Rowdy, but on the defensive side of the ball, I would say the uh, big boys, you know, yeah. Two of their defensive ends and, and one of their linebackers, you know, really stood out. The the linebacker, I think, definitely had a concussion. I don't think there's a yeah, lot of up, doubt about he ended that. Up missing the, after the after halftime, I think. Yeah, Carter, he, Carter Keys, who you're talking about. Yeah, and he he uh, he got in on a hit and tried to get up, and it didn't look right, and they got him out of there. But before that, you know, he was your typical Mike linebacker. He was in on every play, you know, from sideline to sideline, and and showed some pretty good instincts. Because look, you know, Trinity lines the ball up and they run it, and there's not a lot of deviation from that. I, I bet you, without even looking at the stat sheet, there might have been ten or twelve passes on the night, and that's even on the high eight. side. Yeah. yeah. And that's on the high side. So he's definitely getting some work in. And uh, but yeah, just we'll have to look at their names and, and kind of put those profiles together. But but certainly uh, certainly some D one talent on that side of the ball too. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the same goes for Trinity because they have a couple of I believe twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen guys who uh, we're trying to get some more info on. But a couple of guys that played for them on the defensive line, I was impressed with and. Uh, Really liked what I saw from them too, but uh, but I guess we'll kind of get into the main two guys, obviously that we were there to see, and know we covered it a little bit in the videos we watched, but wanted to kind of dive a little bit more into it, and we'll start with John Davis, who is obviously committed to Tech right now as a, as a corner, and just kind of you know one of those games where it, it kind of sucks, you know, for him and for us, where it's kind of a boring game for him because, like you said, neither team really passed it very much, and I don't think John was tested a single time on on the outside and. Uh, I think you can attribute some of that to, to his talents, and I, and I think they kind of avoided throwing his side of the field. And he had two or three tackles, and they were just on screens or swing passes where they were just kind of tr- trying to throw underneath and kind of avoid him. And uh, would have had a pick on, on one play if the ball didn't get bad at the line. So uh, big, you know, long. He probably needs to put some weight on, like a lot of these guys coming to school. But but I was impressed with John, Matt. No, I mean I agree with everything you said, and and for me, I mean. I guess if if you're the fan listening to this, just remember not only was his coach trying to get him out of there, but you know there was a lot of introductions and there there's a lot of excitement. They lined yeah, up after the game, the season, sure, yeah, too. they did all that. So there's a lot, not a lot of time for us to ask a bunch of tech specific questions. But the the vibe I got that he was very excited about Texas Tech and. Uh, you know, you could you could tell, and I mean, I know even when we had talked with him in, in the commitment, I was surprised. I didn't, I don't know why I was surprised, but uh, I, I remember it when it happened. But going back, because now it's the end of August, I looked and he committed on August first, I believe. So really specifically on August, 1st? Oh, no, I, yeah. I didn't remember that. 
Yeah, uh, you know, because that's what it shows in our system, right? So, I mean, I, I could I could verify, but yeah, you know, so I was looking at when he committed, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it, so really, it's only been three or four weeks when you think about it. And to me, that was odd. But, uh, you know, at, we'll just have to keep an eye on him. I, I just, I saw a talented kid, like you said, needs to fill out in the weight room and all that. But, um, you know, I, I like kids that are confident in their abilities. I like kids that, you know, kind of, I mean, have that confidence, you know, I, I think that that at th- that age and at that level, Swag. especially, at a pro- no, sure. Yeah. But especially oh, really, at, yeah. at a program like Trinity where, you know, you can back it up a little bit too. I mean, if you look at the end result, uh, yeah, they gave up nine points at half, but then after that, I mean, that was it, you know, so they, they, they did their job on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think they scored both their touchdown and field goal off of turnovers in that correct oh yeah i mean both games i went to this weekend i mean i just saw sloppy 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 that first half not the the first half for both teams in the game that we both went to trinity broken arrow but the second half broken arrow i mean they're putting the ball over all over the ground you know, and 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 uh, when Just I went the next, yeah, yeah, the the next game I went to the the next night in Frisco with those two teams. I mean, pff, ah, eight nine fumbles total. It was it was yeah. a mess. Yeah. Three interceptions. I mean, so definitely a lot of first game stuff that, that you see. For sure, for sure. And uh, before we get into that, before we get into that second game, I guess uh, let's quickly kind of get into Cam Jones. You know, who's a 2018 DB or, or safety specifically that. I think, you know, he clearly lists Tech as his number one, and I would say Tech is far and away kind of runaway train in front for him right now. But uh, to be honest, he was the most impressive player on the field that night because he was in on almost every defensive play, whether he made the tackle or not. He, he has a ton of range that's super impressive and uh, has the size. And I think for being a kid that's only 16, about to turn 17, I probably could not have been more impressed with Cam, Matt. Yeah, no, I I echo that whole thing, and and I think you know, and, and we hear this from our peers too, right? They'll, you know, the the industry demands that we start you know rating these kids earlier, or right. or or creating these lists earlier. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then you know, like I said on the video, this season that's a kid that's going to cement his status as a Rivals 100, if 100%. not just Rivals 250 kid. Yeah. I mean, I, he already has the build of kids that are receiving offers right now, if not bigger build. And to hear that he's been now a three-year starter on varsity, that um, just speaks to his character. Trinity, that's a big deal. Yeah, it just it speaks to his ability and his, his character. And, you know, I, I had uh, – I had I was I was in Dallas and so I was crashing with my little brother in Dallas and so I have two baby brothers uh, I've got uh, you know I've maybe told the story before but they both went to Arkansas you know they're both into sports as well and so they know what I do and I was up there you know uploading videos and whatnot uh, while we're you know drinking coffee having breakfast and you know they were like hey wow you know that uh, that kid's really well spoken and you know they that was a completely un you know, I didn't ask for that opinion, right? right? I didn't ask them for anything. I was just playing the video, making sure everything was correct before I loaded it to the site. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, you know, because you watch it and, you know, just the, the way he carried himself and, and to think, like you said, 16, 17-year-old, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I think he's going to be special and he's going to really, you know, separate himself as, as one of those top prospects in his class. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think for sure. And 
uh, like you said, just super impressed with him both on the field and off the field. And and I think that the fact that Tech offered him so early, and, and, and this is just kind of my opinion, and, and we'll kind of see down the road how this works out, obviously. But I think Carl Scott and David Gibbs are both really good at, at identifying defensive back talent because – just all the, just not just you know a kid like Cam, but I think guy like John's committed and the other four you know kids they have committed, I think they've done a great job of identifying a lot of these guys ahead of everybody else because I I I just every one of these kids I see whether it be in person or watch their film, I, like there's there's nothing I don't like about any of the kids that they're going after as far as DBs. Agreed. I mean, you've got. You know, you, you've got some of these bigger guys, and then you you try to project that, a, a, you know, a year or two later because the idea is to build depth. The idea is to get them in there with the strength and conditioning staff and, and develop them on the field as well. So, I mean, again, even at the first game of his senior season, whether he's enrolling early or not, you know, he's far from a finished product. Uh, but as you stated as well, that Trinity uh, defense is is very similar to what those kids would be asked to do at Texas Tech under Coach zone. Gibbs. Yeah, a lot of zone. So you know, there's there's a lot to like there, and and I think kids feel comfortable with that, both on offense and defense. They go on these visits, they they watch the film, and maybe they went into it not knowing what to expect, or maybe they're confident, or maybe they're you know again e- either which way. But they, a lot of the kids, when we talk to them post visit, they're like. You know they're they're actually psyched. They're like, oh, I watch the tape. Terminology similar. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. So that that you know that's a big deal sometimes when you, when you talk to certain recruits. Yeah, because they know it's not going to be hard for the transition for them. I think that puts a lot of guys at ease. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that's what it what it really kind of comes down to, especially. And I think that's been the biggest thing too is they're not trying to go after kids that. You just say, well, he's a whatever, whatever athlete and can do this, this, and this. Let's, you know, grow him into our system. They're going out to try, you know, find guys that are already, you know, kind of pre-made cookie cutter. Not in a bad way, but pre-made cookie cutter where you can just kind of bring them in and kind of let them loose. Which ultimately with DBs, I think, is what everybody's trying to do. Because it's if you kind of look across the college football landscape, I would say, and you may disagree with this, Matt, but I think that as far as college football, I think defensive backs are usually the guys that get to play first as far as if you put them in order. I mean, yeah, if we're looking at just defense, yeah, sure, yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, these days, if you look at it this year, now you're looking at the tech defensive line and you're looking at the linebacker position, which might be scary in retrospect. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'd say on the whole it's it's easier uh, to get in there. I think corners anyway are my two picks. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you there. I mean, I think of late it's been receivers and it's been uh, the defensive linemen, but I think you get it one of two ways. You get it because it's you're forced into it and it's an injury and it's a need, or with a kid like Fahoko, they're nationally rated. They come in and it's not only a need, but a, a kid that's supposed to be, you know, yeah. elite and ready built to go. So, you know, excited to see how kids like that, you know, kind of flip and, and take a turn, but also, you know, as it correlates back to recruiting, I mean, it, you know, you look at those different uh, uh, needs, you look at those different areas, and, and it's time to, to start seeing some results there as well. 
Yeah, it absolutely is, and uh, we'll kind of see where they go with that this fall. Uh, moving, you know, over to the offensive side. You know, speaking of guys that, that might have a chance to play early, and two guys that are going to enroll early as of right now. Uh, let's talk about the Frisco Frisco Centennial game, where you got to check out uh, Dawson Deaton and and uh, Jack Anderson. I didn't get a chance to go out there, but I know you did, Matt. So, uh, just just kind of quickly, your kind of rundown of the game, and then your thoughts on, on both those guys, and then we can discuss. So, uh, yes, both guys enrolling early, and we had gone and, and met with them not too long in ago. March. Uh, it was in yeah. March yeah, when we were out there. So we, we had talked to them. They told us about the new scheme on offense, told us how it would affect their roles. And, you know, basically what you've got is at any time they're playing either left guard or right guard, uh, you know, swap them out. And there are some packages where they'll have, you know, Jack come in at left guard and Dawson would roll out to left tackle. Um, and, and again, this is another game where I would be surprised if they were more on the Frisco side. Now the other team, you know, they ended up, you know, throwing the ball a little bit more, but on the Frisco side, I'd say six to eight passes. Everything else was a rush, a pitch, an option. I mean, you name it, they were finding all kinds of ways to run the ball, but you knew where they were going. Uh, when both those big boys were on that side of the ball, a lot of that would be a quarterback draw, or as I'd mentioned, you know, sometimes they were running that option. And that that's the game where I'm talking about where it was Frisco versus Frisco Centennial. And I mean, at least seven or eight fumbles. I know yeah. of three interceptions. So it really dragged on there in that second half. And, and the, that's when I, the first question I asked Jack is like, wow, I mean, could you imagine what the score would look like if, if you guys had, had maybe, you know, limited to one or two mistakes on offense, because when you got five or six, I mean, it's, it it's pretty wild. They, 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 they gave that team every, that team was nowhere near, I guess experienced from a from I was looking at the rosters just from a, a seniority standpoint, and also they don't have two kids like Jack and Dawson that are that are that talented, you know, paving the way for rushing. And so I don't know. I mean, it, the interesting part was Davis Webb's dad was the coach of uh, Centennial, so that right. was his debut, um, and he's just got like a little small fry sophomore back there <laughs> running for his life at quarterback. Um, but you know, like I said, I, they said that there was a new offense. But I had watched these guys play last year, and it was a bunch of run left, run right, and they were already doing the same sort of the same concepts, you know, yeah. Same concepts. They, now last year they were doing a lot more pool blocking, um, you know. And and I'll say this: I mean, I think that when they get to college, this won't be an issue. But what I do notice is is when you're constantly running the same play, or you're constantly running, you know, a variation of the same three plays, yeah. Um, I, I feel like sometimes, and, and both of them were guilty of this, you can begin to lunge or you can begin to like fill a gap. And if you don't you start, completely... You, your head gets, a, gets ahead of your body. Exactly. And, and if you don't engage your your assignment, then it just creates that clog at the line. And that's when some of those draw plays and some of those options just really look yeah. terrible, you know. And so, you know, I did notice some of that. But I also think that was just because of the sheer volume of snaps they were taking, you know, just in, in rush block. So, well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a lot different blocking in the Texas Tech offense, but both guys, I would say, you know what you expect from Jack, right? I mean, he's he's looked that way since he was a, a sophomore. Um, 
Now Dawson, I mean, he looked bigger than me. I mean, he he looked like he's kind of leaned out a little bit, um, but but I think he might even have Jack by an inch or two on the on height wise. So um, yeah, I thought sure. he, I thought he looked really good, and and I think that's a guy who at the next level. I mean, obviously they they have him pinned for for guard, but he looks tall enough to me to where he could split out to the outside if right. if necessary. Yeah, and I think that's the. Dawson is such an interesting prospect to me because I don't think he probably gets enough as much run as he deserves. I think on his own merits because I, I and, and obviously Jack Jack is you know what he is and he's a very very talented guard who's you know going to be I think a very good player at the next level. But there's something I I wonder and this is just me you know thinking about it and watching Dawson play and seeing you know how much he's kind of uh, physically kind of changed here in the last year so i wonder if his ceiling may be higher than a lot of people think you know well and i think i mean, i think you hit the nail on the head because everybody the the easiest thing we've talked about this on the podcast so many times even even us the guys that cover this you know let's say tomorrow uh is the day that dawson deaton gets an offer from texas tech well what happens you're going to pull up his profile you're going to watch his highlights, you know, whatever. You're going to Google him. You're going to try to figure out whatever you can about the kid. I mean, and if you took away the fact that you already knew that his teammate was Jack and that Jack's offer list, you know, went down the entire internet, you know, you would still look at Dawson's and you'd say, okay, I mean, he's got a good, good amount of offers here from, from some several power five schools. And so, uh, and, and he's listed at six, five, two ninety. Like I said, I mean, I feel like he's grown a little bit, um, and, and he looked really good to me. So, uh, again, uh, you know, you like what you see from those guys and that's any, any of you in the area, when you go to watch them, that's just what you're going to have to expect. They are going to run, run, run. And then when it makes sense on a second and short, uh, or a play uh, action. yeah play action. I mean, or, or running the option. They've got a a kid that plays linebacker and running back. So you know, just a lot of different variations. Yeah. So I, I mean, but I do agree. You know, again, Jack's pretty confident, which I love. Uh, but but he did make the comment, you know, after the game that look, I don't think there's a lot of teams that can beat us when we play our style or our brand of football and. and don't make those mistakes. And I know that's a very generic thing to say, but but being there at the game, I mean, this this one would have been a, a no-brainer, kind of like the Trinity second half against Broken Arrow, if it weren't for four fumbles, you know? Yeah, yeah. So so you just got to and, – and, and you know because you're at the Trinity game, that was kind of the opposite for them. In the first half, it was like, whoa, hold on to the ball. Oh, no, don't don't run that play. Or, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah it, so, was, it was just kind of tripping down the stairs on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Um, and, and I guess just kind of to wrap, wrap it up on those two guys, uh, you think both those guys as advertised, underrated, overrated, just your thoughts. I forget to see them in person. I mean, I'm no one to say that. I mean, I've, I'll tell you this. I've gone, I, I'm, I'm, you know it. I'm in my car. I go to East Texas. I go to Dallas, Houston. I drove to New Orleans, all that. I know what a four star looks like. I know what a Rivals 100 looks like. I, I know I've seen five stars before. I can tell you this. I, I, I know Jack belongs in that category. And I wasn't at the opening and I wasn't at even the, the opening regional in Dallas. So I couldn't tell you. You know, what his one-on-ones were like or how he compares to this guy or that guy. I can tell you that um, if, if I'm being fair, you know, there are kids that were 
maybe not even ranked highly, uh, maybe that um, moved into the state. Like, you know, you've got a four-star uh, kid from California, Chuck uh, Filaga. I hope I didn't butcher that. Yeah. He's now at Alito. And Walker Little's a kid from Episcopal who went from, you know, a highly rated kid to a five-star. So, I mean, that, those two alone were going to always bump him a little bit. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ever say that I agree with dropping someone that many spots yeah. without without seeing him in person. But but we're not going to open that can of worms. All I'll say is, yes, I believe Jack is as advertised. And I think you made a good comment about Dawson. Um, I just think that, you know... Dawson Dawson didn't do the camp thing either. You know, he did the opening, he held his own. But I think the tail of the tape for most of these kids has to be offers. I think it always has been, always will be. Uh, a lot of kids, you know, I think I think the reason people stopped paying as much attention to that is that you know, as this thing got more social and as this thing got more public, uh, recruiting wise, is there are kids that lie. You know, I mean, yeah, of sure. of of you, the you last. You and I have dealt with both. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, of the last two or three kids that have claimed a Texas Tech offer, they've all been liars. They're, they've all been not true. So, yeah. you know, imagine that. I mean, it's so, I mean, I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it, but and then the, after doing too, this it, for a while, you, you just, you learn to expect anything, you know? Yeah. And then add to that, there's a lot, there, there honestly are kids that don't report offers because nobody, because there are people who are like, oh, yeah, I forgot I got an offer from them. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's both sides of the coin, you know, honestly. So. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, and even now the, the, the official quote unquote official offers can go out and these kids that are enrolling early can sign their uh, paperwork, their financial aid paperwork, all that, whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we've seen that, that all of that's kind of worth a, a, you know, worth a whole bunch of nothing. So yeah. you just got to see it through, sign these kids, get them on campus. But I, I guess overall, you know, yes, I would say as advertised, that, that's my thoughts there. And, you know, I wish there were other D1 prospects on the field. There there just wasn't. So, yeah, no. um, you know, Centennial's got a big old 6'4 uh, kid that, that could, you know, grow up and, and end up playing a wide receiver, tight, more likely a tight end position. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on. But other than that, it was pretty slim pecking, uh, pickings beyond uh, Deaton and Anderson. No, makes sense. I got you. And uh, glad we got a chance to go out to DFW and uh, catch both those games over the weekend. Kind of my big chance to go out there while uh, high school was going on and college wasn't. And uh, I guess speaking of that, uh, let's talk a little bit about the college football season because uh, guess what? Starts this weekend finally after all this waiting. We get to uh, we get to get it going and, and get to get rolling. So really excited about this weekend, not just for obviously for tech, but, but for all of college football in general, because there's a, t- a ton of great games on this weekend and just really excited to uh, get things rolling. So uh, you and I, let's just kind of look at, at the season as a whole for tech. I know, you know, everybody wants, what's your number? What's your prediction? And, and, and while we, we, I don't think we're going to do that. I just wanted us to sit down and just kind of give both of our views on our expectations and, and where we think things are as it sits uh, this is going up on Wednesday, but where things sit as of, uh, as of Wednesday, uh, going into this weekend, where we think about the season is. So, so I guess I'll let how we do this, Matt, and I'll let you answer first and then, uh, I'll answer. But for you going into the year, what are the big points of emphasis or, or big questions? Just the, the, the three, four, however many big things that you know, or don't know about this team that are, are kind of stick out to you. 
Okay, so three or four right now, or we want to go back and forth? Um, let, let's just go with with one, and I'll go with one, and then and then we can just kind of debate it back and forth. Okay, you go first. Okay, that's fine. I, I'll just say that I, I think for me, uh, the thing that I look at when I look at this team in the upcoming year and, and what I've seen from the spring, who's coming back, who's not, new newcomers, role players, whatever, uh, I, I think you return a lot of experience on offense, even if it isn't starting experience everywhere except except for on the offensive line. You are super experienced and have a ton of guys that have played a lot of football. That includes you know quarterback, receiver, running back, all across the board. So, so I think that, in my opinion, you can just kind of check all that off as you, you know what you're going to get as far as production. You may not know who's going to do it at running back and receiver, but I think that you feel confident in the talent and, and, and what, what the level of all that is, and you trust Cliff. Uh, you'll kind of figure out about the offensive line as the year goes on, but I think they're talented, and I think you like what the future holds. Now, early on, it'll kind of and what will kind of really determine the success of this offense will be what how those guys gel and where they're at. So, in my opinion, we just about the offense in general. I, I just feel very confident that this offense, at the very least, is going to be very good. Yeah, no, I'd agree with those. I would say that when if you're just looking at the defense, I think the storylines have been okay. You're going to have a, a second year coordinator. Um, you know, but I think a lot of the immediate reply to that would be, okay, well, you're still bringing in new position coaches. So, you know, yeah, second year in the system, but you know, some other new coaches, I guess that's kind of the, the pros and the cons there. But for me, uh, when you, when everybody's asked about defense, it's, there's, there are a lot of questions, but when you were, when you were as bad as you were on defense last year, and let's say you you let yourself imagine that you're the coach and you could say, okay, I need to change a lot of things about the defense and I need to make it a lot better. What 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 do I want from the current defense? I'll take Fajoko. He's young. He's very talented. He's got a lot of right. promise. Uh, Hinton played pretty well as a, a true freshman. Same thing. Jay Sean, if he can stay healthy, he can he can really turn into something. You know, I got a few guys on the outside. I got some guys that played, you know, that were backups. You know, that'll that'll help me. Um, but now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go and find other players to plug in. And so, you know, immediately after last year, it wasn't a mistake. They landed Hill. They landed Pipkins. They knew they had that in their back pocket. They went out and signed the class that they did along the defensive line. And then they got Stice uh, to come in and 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 hold down one of the linebacker spots as well. They, they have a lot of faith in Brooks. And then when you look around the secondary, you know, the old, uh, the old recruiting line tag of, uh, second year, uh, Juco's. So that's going to apply to Paul Banks here at one of the, your cornerback mm-hmm. spots. And then you look around the rest of the secondary and you just have experience and depth. So, you know, even if it's depth that we don't know a lot about, it's there, it exists, and and that's what they're going to roll with. So I guess if you're asking my opinion as an observer or just looking at the defense, you can't be that much worse, right? Than, I, than what you, you, I don't think you can be worse. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be really hard. And with, with proper health, I think that you you actually have more depth than than you realize in, in seasons past, and so I think the linebackers. To me, the linebackers are a big concern. But overall, if if that's the way I look at it, if you're able to kind of cherry pick pieces off the defense that you wanted to keep and get rid of the rest of it, 
you know, that's kind of the outlook you can take here. Is we, we've always said throughout the whole offseason, look at the middle of that defense with Fajoko, yeah. Hinton, and, and Johnson, and, and build, keep building around that. And I feel like they're going to be able to do that with some of these pieces. And, um, and that's where it's going to be. It's all going to be new faces, new names, and those are going to have to – uh, those are going to have to be guys that add on to what you have in, in those three core pieces that we had mentioned. Right, right. And, and I guess for me, my next point, and, and staying on defense, and I'll stay defensive line specific, and people, people will argue this with me, and it's just obviously me projecting, but kind of based off what I've heard and and and, and the things I've taken away and, and the talent – of some of these guys on this defensive line. I think the starting four you're going to have on the defensive line is a very talented group. I think more so than a lot of people realize because you have Braden Fajoko, who was a Rivals 100 four-star. You have Andre Pipkins, who was a five-star out of high school. You have Colin Hill, four-star. And, I mean, that's three of your four starters. And I think all three of those guys, as far as talent goes, are big-time players. And then you have a guy like Gary Moore, who – is an elite athlete. You will see what you get out of him. You don't know, but he can rush the passer. I think if, if he comes along and then I think as far as the depth goes, if anything, I think this, this, this coaching staff anyway, feels like they have guys that if they put them in the game, they're not going to panic. Like as a staff, you don't panic about putting those guys in the game. So I think your top eight on your defensive line is as a whole better than it's been since Oh nine. I would say, and that's just my opinion. Like I said, you haven't seen him play yet. But I just feel like regardless of experience, which while I think experience is important and it creates stability, not having experience isn't always a bad thing because I think you look at a team like Clemson last year, who, and a lot of people don't remember this, that defensive that defensive front seven was awesome. And a lot of those guys didn't play a snap the year before for them and it was the same way with a lot of pieces on that defense they play in the national title game so I just think that the defensive line I think for me as far as projecting it and I am projecting it but I am very bullish on that group as a whole so that takes me to my next point and so I'll, I'll just I'll just stay on that thread right and those are guys where I know we refer to recruiting rankings but um, I, I guess I want to play devil's advocate as well because okay. that's that's kind of what people will do on the board either way. Is that okay? Yeah, he was a five star, but you know he's he's had this knee injury, yada yada yada. Oh, rankings don't matter once you get to college, etc. You know, you and I, I know we don't we don't believe in that, and and I and I realize but I, why. I, you, I, before you go on, I will say he it's, he was a five star for a reason. You just don't make a kid oh, yeah. a five star for no reason. No, and and that's that's where I'm driving right, to, right, and okay. and that's and 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 so what I mean by staying on that thread is if I were to flip it to the defensive line. And I were to say, okay, right now, um, who are you going to war with? Who Who is your starting offensive line? And who are the guys that are going to rotate in and out? The guys I think you could brag on, you know, forget the veteran part. Yeah, that's the obvious answer. But guys you could brag on from a recruiting standpoint, maybe Akam Nanu, and that's it. Connor, you know? no, he's not going to play. Well, no, yeah, he's. Not, I'm not even considering it. I'm just saying guys that are in the mix right now. Akim Nanu, I think, is an impressive him, recruit. Tony Morales, and then Balen Brown, who was a high-rated three-star. 
But even yeah. so, we already know Morales. We already know Brown. We know what to expect from them. Right. We we don't even know if Morales is going to be a, a, a steady contributor, right? But we sure. know what we have out of Brown. The guys that I'm just saying, the guys that have never proven anything in a Texas Tech uniform, yeah. steal. Not a big recruitment, right? You were basically his only offer, yeah. Yeah, but I think you, another. I think is similar fine to to Murphy. So between him and, and Murphy, I think I think you can trust Hayes. I think that's how we and feel that's, about and that. Steel. Would be my counterpoint to that is that he's discuss. I mean, you just feel so confident in him as far as evals. I don't think you worry about who he picks, which is fine. But right. but which brings me to guys like Stewars, guys like um, uh, Reichel. Now look. You know, you recruit JUCOs for a reason. A lot of them, a lot of it's depth. Uh, for example, the, the the guy that we just mentioned was a late addition. Same thing with stores. I mean, these guys are going to keep fighting. These guys are going to, you know, try to do the best that they can when given the opportunity. But if we're talking about guys that that are not proven and and guys that are probably going to be relied upon at some point in this season, that's got to scare you as a, as maybe a different way to look at it as, you know, we're just talking about the defensive sure. line and, and why they could be better because of this depth. Well, that's exactly why your offensive line could not be that great. And you're still looking at Steele and Akimnanu and saying, okay, you know, they're ready. We're going to unleash them. And, and we could provide a hundred examples of why they're going to succeed. And then I'm sure somebody could provide a thousand reasons why, oh man, oh, we're going to be worse. Oh, it's going to take a while. So to me, that's a really interesting part of watching this offense. We know what you're going to get out of Pat. We know that a receiver or two are going to really step up and, and make some plays, uh, you know, week to week. Um, and, 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 and you know, with Stockton, we, we know about him. You know him. he's a playmaker at the very least. But yeah. beyond yeah. Stockton, we don't know a lot about the guys behind there. So, True. yeah, a lot, of, a lot to watch for. But most of all, I would say people would, would say, what is this line going to do? Because – You've had you've had success, uh, excuse me, success in the run game, and that's helped a lot in the passing game. And you've had really talented kids on the offensive line. Now you know guys like Laraven Clark are no longer here. You know, and and guys like Jared Castor are no longer here. So that is going to have an impact on this line. And as you saw last year with Justin Murphy, anything can happen, and and you can lose one of your guys. I mean, even you, you mentioned Dyer as a top. Uh, 250 kid and he hasn't been able to do anything meaningful because he's had the injury bug yeah no and and it's a very valid point and at this point I think the only thing you can point to is you just trust you know Lee Hayes and his evals and how things have worked out so far you point to a kid like Justin Murphy and how things you know worked out there and and I even point back to that 2013 season when you basically started a bunch of puppy dogs on that offensive line because you had sophomore LaRaven Clark you had uh, redshirt freshman, or I guess true sophomore, Jared Caster, who still only weighed like 285 pounds. Uh, <laughs> you had true freshman, Balin Brown, and then a couple of other, other guys play for you. And that offensive line should not have been any good. And, and it wasn't, I mean, and it wasn't great. You didn't hardly run the ball very well, but they figured it out. So I, I, I think that's just my thing is that, the, the the obviously the counterpoint to your counterpoint is just that I think you trust Lee Hayes and could I be wrong for sure for sure could be wrong, but I think as as far as trusting you know the opinions of this offensive staff and they've all said how they feel like Terrence Steele is an NFL offensive lineman and they, sure they moved him to left tackle which they didn't need to do so I, I just think the signs point to and and, and, and like you said 
the signs point to I think you have some talent, but I think the thing you still wonder is, and I wonder too, is how long does it take that group to really mesh and play exactly. well together? And that's the big question. And it is. I mean, anytime you know, and 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 we'll wrap it up. But anytime, I mean, Texas Tech's known for offense. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, if somebody came, you know, nobody listening to the Victory Bells podcast is not familiar with Texas yeah, Tech, but but just as a perception or as a brand, you know, it's offense, 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 and what really makes that go is that offensive line. Obviously, you got to have a great quarterback, but um, especially when you get into some of those tough situations on the road, you've got to have you know the, the you've got to have them together as a unit because those the, it's going to be have you know sound and higher pressure situations for kids that haven't been in those situations. Sure. You, know, you could have mistakes, and and if you go back to those seasons. You know, you probably had a you could probably had a, a certain amount of cuss words per weekend, uh, yeah. Yeah. per per offsides flag or per you know uh, offensive line penalty. Uh, there there are a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. So no, for sure. And and I think and we looked back at it in the spring. Whenever Tech's offenses have been you know the best in school history, when you look at 03, 08, and fifteen, you know what the common thread is between all those three. You had really freaking good offensive lines, and I think that's where it starts. You know, when, when all those offenses were that good, um, but yeah, that, and that'll be the most interesting thing, especially early on, because against SFA, you may not really know how good. Or, in fact, I don't think you really will know how good the offensive or defense uh, defensive lines are as much. I think you'll it'll be interesting against Arizona State, and then it'll be interesting against La Tech because I think La Tech is a better team than I think most people realize. It, and is, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, La Tech I think is going to be a pretty good, uh, you know, group of five tests for this team that I think people might be sleeping on as far as that game. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I just think that, and, and I guess my last thought, and I'll let you give put in one last thought on, on I guess the year as a whole. I think this program. When I sit back and look at it, when I look at all the boxes I need to check, I just feel like I can check a lot more boxes now than I could nine months ago as far as off-season program, the the coaches you have, the talent you have, the incoming talent you have, uh, the I, I guess kind of the mentality within the program. There are just so a lot more boxes I check off as far as positive signs of where things are at. And as far as the future of the program, and that's led me to kind of feel like you, while I don't, I don't know how many games you're going to win. I think, and I will, I guess I'll put a number on it. I think they're going to win eight. Uh, We'll see. But I think that even in those four losses and you may lose less than that, you may lose more than that. But I think you're going to be very competitive in every single game. I don't think it's going to be like it's been in the last three or four years where there's been times when you just know that you're about to get, you know, blown out by 35 or 40. I just don't think that'll ever happen with this team this year. I think they'll play everybody pretty close. So whether it be a win or loss, I don't I, like, I just don't think there will be a loss you point to where you just say, well, feel bad about that one or anything like that. And, and I guess that's just kind of how all close things help. Yeah. The conversation that we have now will be drastically different, you know, three weeks from now. And it will be for sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, we're going to learn things about these kids that that we don't know as much about and and we'll have a different confidence level in in some of the different units. Um, so it'll be yet to be seen, but I I think a lot of the things that, that you touched on in terms of being more competitive and things coming together now in year four, um, I mean, it's, it's funny. I remember back when Kingsbury got hired 
and a lot of a lot of people were happy. I would say the majority of people were happy that he got the opportunity. But a, a lot of the the posters, you know, had also mentioned that you know it's going to be a learning curve, and Absolutely. he's gonna he's yep. gonna he's gonna either make some bad hires or you know some in game decisions and learn from this, learn from that. And and I truly and that believe, played out in front of our eyes. Yeah, yeah, I truly believe that 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 all this stuff that has happened. Um, you know he he has a a, a a direction, and you know hopefully more often than not they're getting the type of kids that they really do need. You know you're going to have misses, and, and and you see that from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, Everybody if you look misses. back, everyone, yeah. I think it, it came back front of the mind uh, or top of mind when you had Sidham and Strickland transferring, uh, but that's like two and a half years ago, right? If you think about like the thick of their recruitment. Um, and, and that was a completely different mindset for this program. Very different. They were, we were talking about shooting for other stars. We were talking about, you know, how many, uh, four stars they were going to get or, you know, what national prospects they were going after. And, you know, that went down even to national signing day that year. Um, With six and, or seven guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I remember, you know, and, and we'll probably talk about the young man when we when we talk about the Arizona State preview, but the defensive at least two defensive linemen that they lost out to Arizona State in that same class. So the, the philosophies on recruiting have changed. Clearly now the, the defense is somewhat settled, you know, and, and it gives you that breath of fresh air, knowing that the defensive coordinator is back for the second year. But I mean, after watching enough interviews, uh, Gibbs is the first guy to tell you, "Hey, uh, you know, we need to get this thing turned around. That's that's unacceptable. What happened last year?" So, you know, you hope to see that. You hope to see some of these new names that have that have bulked up, taken a red shirt, uh, or or simply, you know, been uh, down in the depth chart. You, you hope to see them make a name for themselves. And the exciting part is, yeah, while it's SFA. You know, everybody's going to come correct because it's week one. It's the first game of the season. But also you're going to get later in that third and fourth quarter, you're going to get to see some of these kids that it usually did not get as mm-hmm. much playing time. And that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, it absolutely will be. And uh, and like you said, the, the, the thing you never know is is there will always be positive developments you didn't expect and there will always be negative developments you didn't expect. And that happens in every single season. There's always uh, whether – a player gets banged up. You mean you knock on wood? That doesn't happen. But whether a player gets banged up, uh, a, a player emerges, uh, a, a position group is a lot better than you thought. A position group is a lot worse than you thought. Uh, there's just always unexpected, and no matter how you draw it up, it always ends differently. So uh, we will certainly find out how it happens. And to, this weekend is the first look you'll get at it. And obviously, that weekend test is going to be against Stephen F. Austin and. We actually got a chance, to, or you specifically, Matt, got a chance to talk to somebody that knows a heck of a lot more about SFA and the program than uh, you or I do, and we're going to play that interview for you here in just a second, and I guess, Matt, just kind of go into who that is and just your thoughts before we play this interview on uh, on just SFA and who you got to you know help you out with this. So uh, my brother-in-law is Jared Evans, and he is a, a contributor to a, a site called LumberjackFans.com. And, you know, very part-time, very just kind of doing it for fun. Um, and, and as I allude to in the audio, you'll hear they do not cover recruiting on a daily basis. They're not 
they don't not into recruiting. It's just really a fan site. Um, so just he just answered some questions, you know, kept it open, kept it uh, relaxed in a true podcast form. And so hopefully it, uh, you know, points out some of the guys that, that we'll be looking for on Saturday and just gives you a little bit more background on, on SFA. I mean, he uh, goes out of his way a few times to say that, that they're definitely going to lose to Tech. So, you know, nothing there. But, hey, knock on wood. You never know with this stuff, and and you can never be too sure. But but hopefully this gives you some insight into you know what SFA is bringing to the table, and and maybe the state of the union uh, with their program. So uh, appreciate Jared being on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, without further ado, here is that interview from Jared Evans with Matt. All right, this week we are welcoming a special guest to the Victory Bells podcast from LumberjackFans.com, an SFA expert to talk a little bit about the opponent in, in week one for the Red Raiders, Jared Evans. Jared, how you doing, bud? Good, man. Thank you guys for having me. Good, good. Jared uh, Jared is my brother from another mother. He is actually my brother-in-law. I married his sister, uh, and, and we bonded over uh, Final Four uh, NCAA tournament brackets, uh, and, and we've been bud, uh, best buds ever since, right, Jared? That's a true story, the night before my wedding. <laughs> there you go. So ever since I've known you, um, you, you went to college at SFA. You're a huge sports fan in general, uh, and, and obviously with that story, we have a lot in the like uh, and, and following this college football stuff as well. So wanted to have you on the podcast this week, you know, just as an official, you know, expert, you know, don't have any specific, you know, questions or format here. Just really want to provide our listeners and, and some of our subscribers just with more information about you guys. Every, uh, every season we have, you know, out of conference games, every conference does it differently, but every year somebody comes up and, and bites somebody that, that they, you know, maybe they overlooked them or weren't, wasn't thinking about it. Now, I'm not saying that's the case here, but, but we want to talk to you about the Lumberjacks and, and kind of what they look like coming into this season. What, uh, I guess we can start with, you know, how did they end last year and, and what are some of the major, I don't know, storylines kind of coming in from, from fall camp in the off season? Yeah. You know, last year was pretty disappointing. Um, we had several injuries, uh, quarterback, Zach Conk, who, is a preseason um, all-conference uh, guy this year, and um, he yes, he is the coach's son. Uh, coach Clint Conk is going into his third year, and so we had a lot of injuries last year, and it was very disappointing. Um, we had eight and five the year before that, and, and four and seven last year. It was a very disappointing season, a lot of injuries, and you know, SFA's offense has always been a high-powered offense, and a lot of passing going back to uh, the Jeremy Moses days. When uh, he won the Walter Payton Award, um, which now seems like forever ago, and they had some coaching changes between then and now, and we've led to Coach Clint Conk, who came from Central Arkansas, um, another Southland Conference opponent. And he actually took them from Division Two into Division One, entered the Southland Conference, and they were not a doormat by any means. And so, when his fate was on a coaching search, they landed on him, and he wasn't my first choice, but. Um, he was definitely in the top three and seemed like a good pick. And so he came in, comes in, and uh, his son, Zach, transferred from uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. Okay. And, uh, so he was pretty heralded out of high school in Arkansas. Um, obviously a coach's kid, quarterbacks, to, uh, coach's kids typically make pretty good quarterbacks. Um, all the all the you know beast in the film room knows the whole pet playbook all that good stuff right and he's a heck of an athlete i mean he, he does a lot on his feet a lot of rushing touchdowns 
They use him a lot on the goal line. Um, so he's got a lot there. He's got a lot of the tools. Um, you know, just this will be his third year as a starter. And so hopefully this will be the year that kind of brings it all together for him. But, you know, back then in the, you know, in years past, they've been a lot like the old Texas Tech teams where they just, they air raid and, you know, 60 passes a game. The SFA is getting a lot more balanced these days. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a, a healthy stable of running backs this year. And they had one of the more experienced offensive lines in the country last year. They did lose three of those guys up front. But um, the guys that they have coming in are not short on experience. So they'll be a lot more balanced. You'll see a lot more on the running game than you have typically seen from the Lumberjacks in the past. Now, um, you might have touched on it, but what is – so every head coach is either – you know, Kingsbury is clearly an offensive guy. Is, is Conk also in that mold of offense, or is he his background defense? You know, he really doesn't have one of those labels. It's 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 funny. I mean, we, we are going into this year with a new offensive coordinator. Um, okay. Our entire coaching staff is returning with the exception of the offensive coordinator. So we're kind of anxious to see what we're going to see from this scheme. Um, and, again, what we're hearing is that it will be a little more balanced. We've got Joshua West as re- returning as a running back. He's very athletic, um, has a lot of upside. So, um, and, again, with that offensive line, I think it'll be a lot more balanced this year. Okay. So I guess maybe from, you know, without diving into offense specific or defense specific, I know we kind of kicked it off with, with Conk and his son, you know, being the quarterback year three, you know, I mean, that's, that's usually, I know for a, for a new coach, that's usually, you know, year three is when they have a chance to get their guys kind of some experience. And then uh, you and I even talked when Conk took the job uh, with what I do covering recruiting and with how much social media is a, a part of that. I thought, yeah, just based on what I'd seen, it, it looks like he's making a, a pretty concentrated effort to, you know, maybe build the branding. Right. And, and for those of you listening, you know, my, my friend Jared's here. He's huge into branding. He's a marketing uh, guy, you know, outside of this uh, sports stuff. So he knows his stuff. Now, I guess, have you seen that correlate to, you know, different caliber players, different different recruiting trends? I know you guys don't follow the recruiting game day to day like we do, but I don't know, just overall since he's arrived? You know, like you said, I think this year is when we'll start to see um, the success or lack thereof of his recruiting classes. Um it's, it's kind of neat this year because when you kind of got me into the whole recru- following recruiting closely, for those couple of years there, I followed it real closely. And a lot of the guys that I covered that we recruited are now juniors and seniors. And that's a really cool thing to watch. Um, you know, Justice Liggins will be probably our number one or number two wide receiver this year out of John Tyler. Uh-huh. And he was a guy that when we recruited him, I was extremely excited about and had been wanting them to play him uh, when he was an undergrad, when he was really young. But I think he'll get a lot more playing time this year. I'm looking for good things from him. Um, John Franklin is a defensive end who is also a preseason all-conference uh, selection. He's really become a stud, and uh, he was one of those guys that I covered. So, you know, a couple of those guys it's really cool to see. But one thing about Conk is he really – right off the bat focused on what were historically the weak spots um, secondary I think that first year I covered him recruiting he brought in four safeties um, mm-hmm. and obviously I mean, you see this stuff enough Matt where you know not all of those guys are still around but you know Marlon Walls out of Pearland is, is still there um, and um, and he's not even starting but uh, um, but they he really attacked the secondary with safeties 
Um, he also, SFA had never really truly used a tight end in passing game all that much. Mm-hmm. And he went after a couple big-time big, big time tight ends. Will Taylor will be starting at tight end, and um, he's another guy that I followed uh, when they recruited him. So um, it's really cool to see that um, start to kind of come to fruition. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, now I guess just kind of, you know, we'll start with the offense because you kind of mentioned that that's where, you know, we already touched on the quarterback. I think you touched on the running back, and, and just now you mentioned a few tight ends and, and guys that will be out there at receiver uh, from that East Texas area. Um, you know, again, we talked about the matchup itself, and, and we can dig into to the the – I don't know the 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 tail of the tape, if you will. Uh, but overall, the season wise, what what are you expecting from four and seven? You know, what's this offense going to do to kind of help? Uh, I don't know, turn things around this upcoming season and, and flip it to maybe seven four seven five. Offensively, they'll move the ball. They just have to eliminate the the turnovers and the penalties. I mean, um, their the turnover ratio was horrid last year, and um, and part of that again, you know, we had some inconsistency at quarterback with injuries. Um, right. But they'll move the ball in our conference. It's it's the the penalties and the turnovers that just absolutely killed them last year. So if they can eliminate that stuff, I mean, I think they'll be okay. They they were picked fifth in the um, Southland Conference preseason poll, which I, I mean, SFA's never been a powerhouse in the conference like year after year after year. But fifth, they've never been that low in, in the last two or three years they have. I mean, Lamar is ranked ahead of us, which, um, you know, five years ago was just would have been unheard of. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it, uh, it's definitely interesting to watch that. I mean, you mentioned how I kind of got you into the recruitment, and then, you know, beforehand I hadn't really followed the conference or SFA's conference at all. And, uh, you know, now here a few years later, I, I know exactly what you're talking about with Lamar. So, yeah, that's it's pretty neat. Now, I mean, with with defense, I, I know you said it's kind of similar to Tech, score a lot of points, but you know, either either make some mistakes or, or can't kind of hold the the defensive side of the ball up. What what uh, what are you guys looking for on that side of the ball? And what do you you know? Who are some of the guys that are going to try to hope to to stop Mahomes and company? Yeah, again, uh, John Franklin, defensive end out of Greenville, um, had a, just a really kind of a breakout year last year. Um, he's a junior. Um, I'm look. We're looking for big things from him. And also on the defensive end is Jamal Allen from Frankston. He's a senior, and the okay. defensive tackles are are, are um, really experienced as well. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of good returning upperclassmen there. And <clears throat> so the defensive front seems really healthy. Linebackers, um, some newer guys that did not play a lot last year. Same in, um, same in the secondary too. We do have a really good safety. Um, the uh, Patrick, uh, his last name is completely Patrick Martin. Sorry, his last name was uh, losing my losing my brain. But um, they're looking for great things from him, also from Patrick Martin. So again, I think um, they did pretty good stopping the run last year. But guys just threw the ball all over him, and that scares me. Obviously against Tech, I mean, um, I think Mahomes is going to have probably a field day out there. Hopefully, they won't keep him in for too long. <laughs> well, I know Tech fans are hoping for that, and and again, you know, we we expect it to be you know pretty close at first, like these games usually are, kind of first game jitters. But um, it's in Lubbock, so it's a tall task. But uh, I, I don't know what what are you as an SFA fan 
looking like what are what are like I mentioned off the top those off season kind of storylines like for example with tech oh there's so much wide receiver depth or oh Mahomes is focused on football only this year or you know year two with the with the same defensive coordinator it has to work right so those are those are some of the ones that tech fans are talking about what about you know what about at lumberjackfans.com what what are the guys kind of you know bellying about these days yeah I think what we're hoping for is to see Zach Conk put it all together. Um, and I think we're also anxious to see um, what kind of um, scheme and balance we see on the offensive side of the ball with the new coordinator. Um, defensively, uh, they just got to play better. I mean, they just got to stop the pass and they got to um, get to the, get to the quarterback a little better. And again, we're hoping they're hoping from those um, now exp- a really experienced defensive line, hoping to see some improvement from that. But really it's, it, it kind of comes and goes as Zach Conk does. I mean, if, yeah. he, if he can kind of build on what he's done the last two years, stay healthy, eliminate the turnovers, I mean, I think he could be a first-team all-conference quarterback. I mean, I really do. I mean, he, he could be the best quarterback in the conference, but he's just got to eliminate the turnovers a little bit. So just a little bit more on that new offensive coordinator. I, I believe I read he has a, a history at programs like Oregon, you know, dating back, you know, 10 10- 10, 15 years ago, but, but a, a, lo- a long-term, you know, experienced coach, what are, you know, what are the thoughts been of him and, and are you expecting drastic changes or, or more of the same? Well, we haven't heard a whole lot. You know, it's, it's a little unique at SFA. We, we don't get quite the media coverage that the big 12 schools do. And sure. Um, so just looking on the, you know, on the message boards and that people have gone to some of the practices, um, they just haven't got a good pulse of what's been going on again the the one thing we are hearing is that it will be a little more balanced um, okay but we're, we're all kind of waiting to see and i don't know if we're going to get a real good idea of that from from this game against tech um i think we're kind of hoping to get in there and collect our six-figure check and <laughs> get out of there without any injuries injuries yeah yeah well you know sure that's the elephant in the room but like i said off the top there's i mean there's there's no you know the it, team puts it together all it takes is that that one you know two three hour window and they can jump out ahead and and take advantage of some mistakes so you really you never really know i mean um well i mean i i'm out of questions i appreciate you joining me uh we, we learned a little bit more about zach conk seems like he's going to be an important part of this thing new offense for sfa some new faces on defense but a lot of experience up front which sounds like you know usually the equation goes the the better the push the better the, the discipline on the d-line the, the better those dbs look so uh sounds like sounds like some things can be improved and uh you know, it sounds like most of the prognosticators have you guys right in the middle of that conference. So it's it's there's only one one or two ways to go, right? Yeah, and I mean, in this conference, Sam Houston's had a good run, and and um, we haven't been able to beat those guys. But you know, we've had we've been we've had terrible teams when they've been ranked in the top five of the country, and we've beat them, and 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 vice versa. So you just never know. It's a, it's a funny conference. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. But um, but we're looking forward to get the season started just as you guys are. And um, just keep an eye out on uh, John Franklin at defensive end and Patrick Martin at safety. Um, and uh, I think those are the two, the two guys that I think could even, you know, even on the Big 12 stage might be able to hold their own a little bit. 
Cool, cool. All right, two more things before I let you go. This is the last podcast we're doing before the beginning of the season. So uh, I, I know I mentioned you, you're a sports guy. You know your stuff. So uh, you, you grew up here in Texas. You followed the, the Big 12 or former Big 12, uh, as we should say. Uh, who is your pick this year in the, the Big 12 and, uh, you know, why? Well, I mean, I think Oklahoma would be the obvious choice, but I – I think it's I think it's wide open. I mean, I'm anxious to see what Texas has this year with uh, with Strong having a couple of years under his belt. I think Pat Mahomes can really come into his own and shock some people there at Tech. Um, nobody, I don't really know what to expect of Baylor. Maybe you do. I don't really know what to expect <laughs> out of them. Um, and so I just it'll be really interesting in the Big Twelve. I think it's wide open, but I, I really am anxious to see Pat Mahomes with you know now he's got some experience under his belt. Um, I, I'm really excited to see him. Okay, and then uh, you know national champion, who you got? Oh man, um, I, I, I'm gonna go Clemson. I, I'm really, I think, um, I, I think they're gonna build off of last year. They got a lot of guys returning. I think they're gonna be tough to beat. There you have it, guys. Again, Jared Evans, uh, contributor, blogger slash uh, my brother-in-law, all-around cool guy from Lumberjack Sports. Uh, lumberjackfans.com excuse me jared thanks uh, we really appreciate it and uh look forward to watching the game with you this weekend my man thanks man enjoyed it so yeah there, there it was you know interview that matt did with jared and uh i guess before we get into it obviously again thanks so much to him for for giving us a preview for a couple guys that obviously don't know a ton about sfa but first matt from that what are just kind of your overall thoughts and big picture things that uh things that stuck out to you and things that uh, jared had to say about uh about about the old lumberjacks ah well i mean you know new offensive coordinator we we knew that but Gary uh Brown, yeah yeah may, maybe not a ton of change uh but but maybe a maybe a different voice you know again i think a lot of people pointed out you've got the you've got the the father-son relationship at head coach and, and quarterback and you know while he had the 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 offers and the ranking and the hype out of a high school he hasn't hasn't quite put it all together and and I know just being around Jared that for the past three to four years you know they've had quarterbacks that turn the ball over or guys that just don't put it all together so that's pretty much a source of frustration for them it uh you know I don't know if it goes beyond the pots and, and sticks debates or anything like that uh, but but definitely something that that uh, that every time I get around him and his buddies, they're talking about how how often these guys are giving the ball away to the other team. So as a tech fan, you're you're hoping to see some of that stuff. Uh, but I try to keep it easy on him and and not uh, you know point out that that we're going to beat him too badly, right? <laughs> no, no, absolutely, man. And and yeah, that, that's the interesting thing to me. And 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 just kind of from some from stuff I've read, and not just uh some but but what he pointed out too i think the whole you know it's been very interesting with conk as far as uh being the quarterback because just kind of from what i've read i think a lot of sfa fans got pretty jaded with uh obviously with him being you know the head coach's son and and how he played last year at times and and people wanting him to get benched or maybe start and was kind of beat up all last year so it's going to be interesting to me to see how uh, like you said, their new offense coordinator, uh, Gary Croton, kind of goes after it because he's a guy that had, was the OC at Oregon at one time, OC at LSU, I believe, the year before or the year they won the national title. It's one of those two years. Um, so he's a guy that's done a lot of different stuff, and, and I know that I think they're going to run a lot of up-tempo and do those kind of deals. So it'll be interesting to me to see how they decide to attack it as far as run-pass balance because – 
got a couple of good tailbacks, got uh, j- just just a couple of good players, like I said. So it'll be interesting to me as far as the offense and what they, they're able to do against Tech. Now, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and something that Cliff has really kind of harped on this week as far as SFA, he's really kind of talked about you know their group of defensive ends and uh, how those guys are you know probably you know some of the more talented defensive ends in FCS that they'll be playing. So that's kind of the most interesting matchup to me is going to be your two as far as Tech, your two true you're not true, but your two redshirt freshman offensive tackles in Terrence Steele and Madison Akimnon who kind of going up against uh, this group of you know two three four guys as far as defensive ends for SFA that are a little bit older and have played quite a bit. And I think that's kind of the matchup I look at the most going into this game. Well, yeah, we just talked about it with the offensive line. I mean, I think, you know, this is uh, ultimately why you have some games like this so they can get in there and, you know, work on that game speed because the the opponents are only going to get better. Uh, I mean, especially on the road against Arizona State, just the, the level of athlete at that outside linebacker defensive end position is is just going to continue to get better throughout the year. So these guys got to got to kind of get their get their licks in this week and and continue to improve. Yeah, no, they absolutely do. And as far as that SFA defense too, it's an older group. It's a it's kind of veteran, and I know that they think they'll do uh, kind of multiple things. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But but I'll, I'll say that going into these kind of games, and here's here's the thing. I don't think this team is as talented as the Sam Houston State team that Tech played to open the season last year. And I if I, I remember, you know, that team put up 30 points on Tech and then, you know, made it to the semifinals for the FCS. So I think you look back on that and you're like, okay, pretty good team and probably better than, you know, some some of the FBS teams you would have played. So uh, don't know necessarily that SFA is going to be that way. I still absolutely, you know, as Jared and you have both have mentioned, I think definitely feel like Tech is going to win and win handily. But uh, it's always this first game where you kind of work out some kinks and whenever you look at the result at the end of the day, I think in these openers a lot of the time, and not just for Tech, but across the board, I think you kind of have to throw it out at the end of the day because I think week one is always such a kind of a crapshoot as far as knowing what the team's going to be for the whole year. Yeah, exactly, and it really depends on what happens in the game. But, you know, hopefully now we know a little bit more about SFA than we did before. And, uh, you know, this is something that, that – Will and I are going to incorporate into the weekly coverage, you know, moving forward. So as we face an Arizona State, a, you know, a, a Texas and whatnot, we're going to have their guys on here. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on, um, and, and and we'll have some more granular updates. Now everything's you know before preseason, and coaches are now. Uh, I think you and AD touched on it. Cliff Kingsbury seemed like he was you know getting a little more comfortable, a little little sure. more lax, yeah. and then now game week. No, oh, he tightened up, yeah, this week Cut like off. he used to, yeah. But so, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, we absolutely will be. So, ready to get it going this weekend, and uh, you know, being as you know, we, I know you've already had one game with Hawaii and Cal, and uh, that already happened last weekend. But really, meh. See, yeah, man, it was whatever. <laughs> uh, but but you can see it started this weekend. Uh, so let's just kind of you know overall picture. I guess let's pick uh, Big Twelve and national champion and. As far as I guess I'll go first, Big 12, and then I'll let you talk about it. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to pick Oklahoma, but I will be totally honest when I say that I am not super confident in that pick because it always seems like 
no matter how talented they are or how good they are going into the year. And I believe Level mentioned this a couple weeks ago where the last four times that OU's been ranked in the top four going into the season, they kind of have a really bad season Like as, as far as what their expectations were and, and what's happened in the past. So it'll be interesting to me to see how they kind of meet expectations because I think while you feel like that offense is going to be pretty good, uh, you kind of wonder about the offensive line still starting some new pieces. You wonder who's going to be a leading receiver, but you know about the run game and you know about Mayfield. But uh, on defense, they're replacing some some guys. So I don't know. We'll see. I guess they're just kind of my de facto pick, as as lame as that might be. Because to but be but honest, what does that tell you about the Big Twelve? That's, that because... was my very next point. Is that because I don't have another clear team to pick, and it's one of those years where I feel like it could be. One it, like the winner could be like ten and two or nine and three, and you're not in the conversation at the end of the year. I mean, that's I think that's where we're headed here because if you look at it just from an out of conference and an in conference, I mean, we've seen this now. What it's the third year of the round robin in the Big Twelve? Right, correct. Uh, third or fourth? Fourth, because thirteen was the first year. Yeah, so I mean, we we've never seen a team go through undefeated. That's a, uh, and, and then second of all, knowing that yes, OU is is the favorite because they won last year. I mean, that's it really, though. And then that's beyond that, reason, yeah. there's there's. I mean, I know a lot of people are going with TCU, but you and I touched on this a couple of weeks back. I don't I mean I'm sorry, but. Just because okay, Kenny Hill's named the starter, Kenny and and they have this you know legacy of playing good defense and having a great home field advantage. That's fine, but I I don't see you know where else are you replacing all of that other production? You can't tell you can't you can't sit there and make me bite down on a, a plate of you know BS that yeah. Kenny Hill's going to walk in there and all of a sudden he's going to be good enough to to engineer a big 12 championship and that was a close quarterback race a lot closer than some people realize yeah and maybe i'm not giving him enough credit i guess my point no, is, is you, that man. you know however good the defense is the the offense not, you know you you not only did you lose a good, really good quarterback but you lost a very good first round pick wide receiver you don't just replace those um and, and so yeah i mean i'll be interested to see how they perform as well because nothing you know nothing comes easy on these schedules you got these rough you get these rough patches that that teams go through you know three three on the three three in a row um and and boom boom mm-hmm. boom and so some of them are pretty brutal um so yeah i don't know i, I i'm going to say ou as well just because but I, I do definitely agree that from a national perspective it could be a year where you know, the Big 12 just beats up on one another, and whether Tech benefits from that or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I just see a lot of teams like with huge question marks. For me, the, the teams like that are uh, Texas and TCU and Baylor, and those teams all have the talent, including Oklahoma State, to, to be really good and to challenge Oklahoma. But but they still have those question marks. So I yeah, mean I, I don't know. You just don't have those with Oklahoma. You, you don't as much for sure. And, and and the weird thing is too, as far as a team that you know the most about, you know the most about Oklahoma State too. I mean they they're replacing a couple of pieces on defense. I'm not sure how good that group's going to be, but I feel like you know a lot about that team and what they're going to be. But from watching them last year. I don't know how good. I still don't have any idea how good they really are because they kind of skated by 
and it was just one of those kind of magical years where they won 10 games last year and but they won so many of these games in the last four or five minutes of the game where you didn't think they were going to have any chance of winning it and then they kind of pulled pulled it out at the end so I mean you I mean just think back to last year I mean that Oklahoma or I guess the the Kansas State game was that way their West Virginia game was that way the game in Lubbock was that way where unless Tech just has a historic collapse on defense um, and you don't produce on offense the second half you know they win that one going away and then they get housed by Oklahoma in Stillwater and get housed by Ole Miss in uh the Sugar Bowl wasn't that wasn't that correct when they play the Sugar Bowl I believe so but whatever whatever that bowl game was they played in but uh but so I don't know how good they really are still I'm not convinced that Mason Rudolph is a really good quarterback and then you look at Baylor you don't you lose a bunch of pieces on the two lines TCU they basically replace every single piece on that offense of production from a year ago. Like I think I looked it up, and they they it's like one of the two or three teams in the country that has the least returning amount of offensive production. So it's just totally unknown what they're going to be on offense. So I don't all right, know. let me let me let me let's let's let me slip one more topic in all here right. just real quick. All right. So so. I was thinking about this today. I was driving around, and, I, and now that we're on the topic of, of TCU, I just I want to bring it up. I, I think that they've been a media darling for so long, and yes, they don't get, get me wrong, they, they've yeah. proven it on the field. But look at and, and look at Houston too. You know, now they're a media darling and all that. I mean, <laughs> if you're a Tech fan and, and you have another like seven and five season, don't you almost wish like somehow you're left out of the Big Twelve so you can go? You know, beat the crap out of the, the the sisters of the poor, and 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 then you know, oh, we won our conference two years in a row, and we and 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 we're all this, we're all that, because you know, again, I think any college coach can prove they can get kids to campus, they can develop them, but um, a lot of this now that you see, I mean, I can you believe how many stories? Like you've got every national writer you can imagine is writing a, a fluff piece on Houston. Do you think any of those people are going to care about Houston if nope. they get beat by OU? No, nope. I mean you're not game. going to see any of that, you know. But they'll still be the champion of their whatever conference that they're in. The AAC, and, baby, and and they'll fly that banner and and good for them. But uh, yeah, I mean I think that that's my only point is that's exactly why TCU is being you know hey yeah I mean I think they could be your contender and uh, here's it's why been, it's only been in like the last two weeks where this has happened like and it's. And I tell people this every single year. Whenever you get about two weeks out from the season starting, everyone kind of gravitates towards two or three teams as kind of like they're the trendy dark horse. And everybody, because to be honest, as many people, we're much lazier than most people realize, and everybody kind of cribs off one another. <laughs> just being just being straight up, um, where somebody kind of has an idea, and then a bunch of people kind of latch onto it. And I think with this year, the two kind of trendy picks are – as far as like for the playoff or for you know to win the you know Big Twelve or whatever, for the Big Twelve it's TCU, and I've seen a lot of people in the SEC that are either picking Ole Miss or Tennessee, and those are kind of the you know the the media like hot take picks right now, as far as the teams that are really gonna you know make a big jump. But but that's just the, that's the mind boggling thing about TCU is is that they're just putting so much blind faith into what. And and I get it with with Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham with that offense because you literally have no idea how good that unit's going to be because none of the guys that are contributors this year were any kind of legitimate contributor last year. Like, like think about if Tech 
returned the, as little as TCU does on offense? Like, what would people say about them? Oh, I know. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's you know, that's another perfect way to say it. That's and 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 it would be, uh, you know, I mean, you're right. You have to consider. Okay, what if uh, the quarterback from LSU got drunk, fell asleep on campus, and never really played that great again, and transferred to Tech, and now he's a starter. Yeah. That's exactly what the storyline would be. Oh, uh, wow, you know, he was really good there. Blah, blah. You chalk up all the regular stories, and, and there you have it. But that's what I mean is, is there, uh, you know, we're over here making, you know, uh, chicken soup out of chicken salad or however yeah. you say it. And, yeah. and oh, and, well, Kenny Hill's going to step in and win the Big 12. I mean, when so. he's played maybe two good games where you feel good about in his entire career. Well, but yeah, and, and but who's he throwing the ball to? Who's the playmakers? No, that's who he was at A and M. That's my. That's what uh, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but moving on from that, no, I mean, don't I, I don't. I, I we're both going to go with OU for the Big Twelve. Yeah. And, but and man, but you know, I don't know if this a, is the that's year. That's a shaky pick for OU. I would say just because there's not another good pick, so uh, just have no idea how the Big Twelve is going to unfold. But also, that's kind of going to be some of the fun of it. So, uh, as far as the national picture. Um, Man, I mean the 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 answer the automatic check you want to say is Alabama, just because until they quit doing it, you just kind of pick them every year. Uh, they've kind of got a lot of new stuff going on on offense. Obviously, they got talent. They kind of don't return a ton, but you just kind of trust them because they have five stars all over the field everywhere, and that things are just a machine at this point. So uh, it'll be interesting. I, I will say for Alabama, when they haven't been as good, it's when they've had a young quarterback. And they're going to have that this year, probably, because it looks maybe like Jalen Hurts might win that job as a true freshman, which is crazy to me. But um, but we'll see. I, and I'm not going to pick Alabama. Uh, my pick for the national title is, and some people may not agree, but I'm, I'm going to go with it after I saw them play in January live. And I'm going with LSU. That's the team I think is going to win the national title this year. I just think that the amount of talent they have on offense, they return to basically – everybody except for one or two players from that offense uh and it's just it should be just a total machine on that side of the ball uh on defense they're always have the best talent other than a school named alabama of anybody in the country and and that's just that's my pick i think lsu makes a lot of sense i think it's a good year for them they got a lot of senior leadership i think it's the best team they've had since that 2011 team that made the national championship much better on offense so so my picks LSU, uh, other teams in contention, I would say, would be obviously like Michigan, Ohio State, uh, I guess Clemson, but I'm going to kind of lean more towards Florida State and ACC, but my pick would be LSU, I think. Uh, but it's, it's again, I think it's a really wide open year as far as who could win the national title this year. I mean, I guess it, it, it's, it's tough to pick a Final Four, but to me, the reason I mention that is, is it depends on those matchups. You know, For sure, who, yeah. who gets paired against who, and how does that shake out? And and if you're going to pick LSU, I would say, you know, one on one, I would uh, that style that they play. I think that's the equalizer that Ohio State has been able to 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 have when they did, you know, face some of these opponents. For sure. And and I think that you know, I'm a believer in JT Barrett. You know, he's looks like he's finally getting his turn to to kind of 
run the run the show there. And and I I think you know you have to expect good things. I mean they just stockpile talent there. So um, I'm going with Ohio State just because I think that it will be a down year in the SEC. And I think Clemson and, and Florida State, whoever survives at, out of that game, is is going to represent yep. the, the ACC in the playoff. And and like we agreed upon earlier, if if Oklahoma slips or isn't what we thought they would be, uh, or doesn't capitalize off the momentum from last year. You know, Big Twelve could be on the outside looking in. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the Pac twelve. Um and you don't I, know what Notre Dame either. You don't know what they're gonna do because they could potentially have a big year. Yeah. I mean, I know all these tech fans listening want them to have a good week one against uh <laughs> yeah. Texas. But but yeah, no, I hadn't even thought of them. But but yeah, I just think I, I don't know, I'm always very impressed with what Ohio State's been able to do. Um and you look at the record since he's been there, uh they they it's a they very high lose. bar. Yeah, they don't yeah, lose. Yeah. Very high bar there and, and you know the the one team that I'm getting sick and tired of listening about is Michigan. I mean, I'm. I think there's a lot of hype and no substance with that. Yeah, I mean, compare it to maybe maybe teams that cover it more closely up there, but I, I compare it closely to Texas is just because it's such a big program and it has a lot of eyeballs on it. It gets a lot of that media coverage, and then Harbaugh demands even more. Um, down here, Texas gets a lot of that, and I I respect 100 percent everything they're doing on defense. But you know, to an extent, even those. Kids are, are still looking to be more consistent and prove themselves right. as they, they grow in their career. So, um, you know, we all know the stories there, but I just don't see Michigan right now overtaking Ohio State. You know, I, I see them winning that and, and getting into the, the playoff. And like I said, if it's the right matchup, I see them getting into the national title game and, and, and possibly winning this year. Uh, let me and, and then we pick our national champion. But let's uh, let's pick our let's just do it. Let's just pick our our playoff for. Uh, I'll start out, and I'm not going to give you the order one through four necessarily. But the four I'll go with are LSU, Florida State, Ohio State, and Stanford. I think that's four to get in. And and I'll say that that is my. If I have to make a dark horse pick for my team that I think could make a real run at the national title, it's Stanford because I think I really like what they return. Uh, obviously, like Christian McCaffrey, and, and and they just play you know physical football, and they really figured it out down the stretch of last year after they got off to a tough start and would have been in it if it wasn't for their tough start. So uh, I'll say that's my four. And again, I said LSU, Florida State, Ohio State, Stanford, and that's the four I'll go with. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't know, I'm going to say that Ohio State, I will say Alabama, and then I'm going to go with Clemson, and I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I mean, okay. I, I think it's going to be, I, I, I like where you're going with LSU, uh, I just think that Alabama. I don't know. I mean, that's another one where Until it's hard for me to go. Me, don't yeah. Them, yeah, it's hard for me to go up against that right now. But but yeah, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Clemson, and and Oklahoma. I think that 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 you know right now they're, they're Oklahoma's so far in front, like we talked about, just because they they are Oklahoma and they did just win. Uh, and and things are looking really good for them this year, but I think that round robin schedule could clip them. But since we kind of talked at PCU, about at TCU, at Texas, in Arlington, 
Yeah, I think Ohio State. They've got they at, have a tough at West schedule. Virginia late they, in the they year. They have a hard schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're going to learn a lot about them. But if they're able to do what they can do and, and win these games and have the seasons that they've had before, I don't think they're going to be denied when it comes time, you know, to to pick because I do think as good as Stanford is, the the Pac-12 is supposed to beat up on each other uh, this year. There's not really a, a clear front runner. Um, and, and then they have the championship game. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, but, but those are the four that I'd go with. Okay, cool. Well, that is our college football tech, you know, kind of preview edition and, uh, ready to get the season going. Got anything else, uh, you want to say before we close this bad boy out? No, man, just, it, it's finally here. So, uh, we're going to have, um, we're going to have weekly podcasts, like I said, and, and we're going to preview these teams and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the latest and greatest. So a lot of things, a very interesting season, you know, for tech. But like we talked about last time, you know, a lot of different vibes. So um, you, you know what you've got in Mahomes, and that's exciting. So uh, Back out know, for see, a while. Yeah. see what they can put together on defense and 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 go win some games this season. Absolutely, absolutely. So once again, guys, you just listened to the Victory Bells podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and hope you guys have a great opening kickoff weekend. See ya.